Chapter Twenty Five Soldier Unseely August wouldn't let him push it out of his mind. When Gwen had eventually left his room, left August, left the memory of August finding out, and in such a stupid way, he'd been determined to push it all from his mind, determined to go about his business, to look after the kingdom that was never his kingdom to begin with. Except that when he'd come back from a series of meetings and gone to put on his armor for formal training, August was waiting for him, a smirk drifting around the corners of his lips. There was a gleam in his eyes, and only one reason for it to be there. Gwen opened his mouth to tell him to find something else to do, and August laughed before Gwen could say a word, and walked away. August found it amusing. But Gwen, aside from the times he was aware of the ironic, cosmic joke of it all, didn't see the levity. August finding out had jarred a lot of memories inside of him that he had spent a long time, thousands of years, stamping down. Beatings from his father for not being born the right alignment. The look in his mother's eyes every time she saw him, as though mud and muck had come to life and appeared in front of her. Listening to the Seely Court denigrate and talk about the Unseely whenever they felt like it. And then, oh, Moffat. Gwen stopped putting on his armor and knuckled a fist into his gut, pushing in, squeezing his eyes shut. How did August guess everything? How could he know, from the limited information he'd gleaned from Gwen, from his observations of Gwen's family, that Leed had watched as Gwen had done what he'd done to Moffat? How did he guess, and then speak of wanting to kill Leed? August obviously didn't understand, even though it sounded like he did. Leed had been a spectator only, had spoken, hit him like always, and nothing more. August should have wanted to hurt Gwen. A broken sound crawled out of the back of his throat, and then another. He knelt suddenly on the floor. The weight of his armor, usually so easy to bear, dragged him down until he was rooted to the floor with it. There was no levity. Revealing that secret once had destroyed him. And despite August's blood-oathing not to tell anyone, despite his assurances that it wasn't part of the game, that he would leave it alone, Gwen knew, he knew, that as soon as August got a taste of freedom, as soon as enough years passed, he would find a way to play Gwen. He could, possibly, even be doing it now. Gwen laughed. He was destined to be destroyed by the truth again. He found that very amusing. To ensure that no one would discover the truth, no readers or empaths, no mages or fays sensitive to the alignments of others, there had been a procedure when he was a child, when he was too young to know what was happening to him. He remembered being tied down to a table, his father keeping a strong grip on his hair and shoulder, and telling him that if he didn't keep his light back, they would slaughter him like a boar in the hunt. Then there had been pain, unending pain. A knife had dug into his back, cleaved the muscles along his ribs, and then a white-hot split of agony so bright that Gwen, amongst his screaming, started apologizing, sobbing, for revealing his light. He hadn't. It was only the pain of it. He'd been three. The crystal charm they'd used stayed soldered to his rib. It was still there. It was the only scar he had present on his body. It had healed into a tiny, glistening white mark, right above the crystal itself. It was the old magic that Leed had used, that day. The oldest of fey magics, and banned besides. And it made Gwen feel like his parents wanted him to live. Or that his father did, at least. 
Even at three, he'd understood that Creel had no love for him and wasn't interested in his survival. But he'd assumed that his father had done such a thing because he'd wanted him to survive. For years afterwards, he thought his father wanted him to live. It wasn't until much, much later that Gwen realized he made mistakes about everyone. He was terrible at reading people. His father hadn't wanted him to live. His father just couldn't find a way to dispose of a three-year-old, and needed to quickly make sure that no one else learned of his alignment when it became obvious they couldn't hide him anymore. The old magic, the procedure, the pain had been about reputation. The first time he'd fought in battle, the first time he'd tested his skills, he was in a small band of soldiers, and he was the youngest by hundreds of years. General policy amongst the Fae was that children weren't allowed to battle, but Leed had pushed hard for it, using his own battle experience to testify to Gwen's skills, and Gwen had only been eighteen years old. An adolescent, but in the extended adolescence of the Fae, a child. At the time he had taken it as a sign that Leed was proud and thought him ready. Now Gwen understood what Leed had been trying to do. It was incredible, really, that he had survived Leed's parenting. He didn't realize he was supposed to die in the field. And by the time he realized, he was too skilled to die. The first time he'd fought in battle, he was so nervous, so young, so terrified of making a mistake and letting his comrades down. It was the first time he'd had comrades, people who didn't seem to hate him outright, even if they were suspicious of his age and skills, that he'd forgotten he was unseelie. He'd forgotten he was an unseelie fay, killing unseelie fay. They hadn't done anything to hurt him. It was a battle over a land dispute. He'd taken three lives and several wounds that healed within a week. Everyone was proud of him, and they gave him ale when he wouldn't stop shaking afterwards. They told him it was normal, that most fay did that when they took the lives of other fay. It wouldn't last. Eventually you got used to it. They'd said he was brave. So it wasn't until the next day, walking back with a campaign of soldiers, learning crude and rowdy battle chants, that what he'd done hit him. He'd spent years trying not to think about it, but then all at once he realized that he wasn't Seely, and if it weren't for the actions of his father, he could have easily been one of that slaughtered group of Fay. and he threw up several times, and the other soldiers clapped him on the back and claimed a hangover. But Gwen had spent so long not thinking about it, he didn't know why it made him nauseous now, only that he couldn't sing the songs about how awful the unseely Fay were, and he didn't know why. They told him he was fair and just. Gwen had learned to loathe himself long, long ago. Loading another reason onto his back was something he hardly noticed, except for the nausea that sometimes crept upon him after battle. Nothing was easy to find in Gwen's palace that wasn't a palace. There was no clear corridor to his main rooms, and one often had to walk through many other rooms to get anywhere. Halls and corridors were rare. The place was designed to be cryptic and confusing. It wasn't a palace in a traditional sense, only called such because that's what it had been called by the kings and queens before him. Every king and queen inherited, through their status, the ability to shape the palace. They, in the manner that Fay could make their homes, could place their hands against the walls and create castles and palaces that sprang, many turreted, from the soil itself. When Gwen had placed his hands against the walls of the previous palace, he'd been the first to turn it into a maze of concentric circles, with his rooms at the center, and everything else designed to confuse. Gone were the multi-storied turrets and towers, 
gone were the scalloped tiles of conical roofs and the battlements which were there for show and the courtyards and the gardens that had made the oak king's palace so lovely gone were the permissions that allowed access to the seedy fay suddenly they were restricted primarily to the seedy court and gwen kept his palace to himself and did not invite guests the only exception was that gwen had charmed the palace to receive those who might have need of him since he was hard to contact even then those fay could not find their way past the first three circles of rooms no matter how grave their needs gwen was in one of his moss rooms lost in thought when august found him the room was almost a cave with no other entrances it was very dim and the ceiling dirt and rock bowed over the room grew tiny lichens and liverworts glowed with green august looked around curiously and then checked to see that no one else was in the room with him there was a mischievous cast to his face do you ever stand in a room and simply whisper the word unseedy just for fun gwen's head snapped up his teeth ground together leave me be august have you i'm curious no leave august laughed under his breath trailed his fingers along a mossy wall fingers became claws and small clumps of moss fell to the ground gwen's jaw ached it was needlessly destructive he hated that you could say it now august said august gwen said standing abruptly and wondering if he'd have to change the permission in the room just to get some privacy they stared at each other august smiled at him eyes fever bright he was healthier now capital fay and having access to water even though he hadn't fed on flesh for so long he was vibrant with life if his mother put in a request for a public display in a year that was going to be difficult to explain even if he did temporarily demote august to underface simply for the event he would look well i wish i'd never told you gwen ground out and august laughed <laughs> you still haven't told me i guessed he sounded smug as he said it and he stayed long enough to make sure that gwen knew it and then left gwen laughed soon after that as well it was getting hard to concentrate on anything the first time he fucked someone after a battle was an accident he'd been filled to the brim with bloodlust and he was only thirty-five his center had changed to triumph and he'd moved out of home he lived in a small barracks in a training camp that saw soldiers constantly he had a single cot to himself that was too short and his feet hung over the edge on the rare moments he slept or rested he was the only one who stayed all the time who didn't in his mind have a home to return to he trained every day he was still by fay standards only a very young teenager he would remain a teenager until his early two hundreds. After the tour, it wasn't uncommon for some Fae soldiers to drag each other off to the forest or to a secluded area to fuck. Some of the more brazen Fae didn't even look for a hidden space. When bloodlust sang through one's veins, it transformed easily into other kinds of lust. So it was that a soldier had stumbled upon him, taken him by the upper arm. His hand had been bloody and rough, and he was easily a thousand years older than Gwen. And Gwen wanting to understand, wanting to be a part of it all, had stumbled and let himself be dragged to a barely out-of-the-way space. But when he was shoved up against a tree and teeth bitten to the side of his neck, he was reminded viscerally of the only other time this had ever been done to him, and memories of warmly laughing eyes, of familiar hands, jabbed at him. He made a low, distressed cry. The soldier had mistaken him, had leaned back and looked at him appraisingly, fingering his hair. They liked touching his hair. Some of them touched it for luck. It was shoulder-length and currently blood-spattered, but they said it shone like the early morning sun. 
Fame were superstitious like that. Having a phase so young on their tours, and finding themselves winning every single one, he became their good luck charm. How old are you again? Fifty? The man said in a rough, hungry voice. He still had a hand on Gwen's shoulder. He palmed himself at the other with a familiarity that no longer made Gwen embarrassed. Living with the others had broken him of any modesty he'd had about his body, other bodies, about fucking. At thirty-five, he could shock other young Fay with the jokes and crudities he knew. Sometimes he shocked the soldiers with some of the things he said. They didn't expect it of him, especially as he had the face of someone far more innocent. Except his eyes, they said. His eyes were growing harder. Thirty-five, Gwen said. He found it difficult to dissemble. Fuck me, you're a baby. I am not, Gwen snarled. He was swamped with the same bloodlust as his fellow, and he surged forwards away from the tree, hooking his fist into the man's sweaty undershirt and dragging him down, smashing his lips against his. It was the clumsy kiss. The inside of Gwen's lips were cut on his own teeth, and then the wounds were open when the soldier bit them wider. He was swamped with feeling, not all of it good. He didn't do things like this. They reminded him of someone and something he needed to forget. Fuck me, the soldier said against his mouth, and Gwen started to retort when he realized it wasn't an exclamation of shock, but an invitation. You'd let yourself get taken by some fey child, Gwen said, his core energy of triumph flickering up, hungry and pleased. Gwen ripped the soldier's shirt, touched a hairy chest beneath, and dragged his fingers down. He had no idea what he was doing. You'd let me stick my cock up your ass. The soldier groaned in want, and then they were fumbling at each other. The soldier spat in his own hand, even as Gwen ripped the laces of the soldier's pants apart. And Gwen was so busy taking the other soldier clumsily in hand, feeling the warmth of his cock as a hot brand that seared the inside of his palm, that he made a low sound of shock when he felt a wet hand bury into his pants and wrap around him, squeezing harder than he could remember being squeezed. It edged him close to pain, and he cried out. The grip didn't let up. The man held out his other hand, palm up. "'Spit into it. We need more than this. You're fair-sized,' the man said, and Gwen stared at him, flushed, complimented. Gwen spat into his own hand, ignoring the man's palm, and reached down between them like he was used to this. He was shaking with nerves, but he slicked himself up further, like he knew what he was doing. The soldier—Gwen had never learned his name—pulled down his own pants, dragged Gwen away from the tree, and stepped to it himself, bracing himself face-forward on his forearms. "'Do it,' he said, breathless. "'Put it in.' Gwen knew enough about this to know that he couldn't just do that, even as he wanted to, even as he leaned his back over the soldiers and pressed down, ground his hips down into his ass. Gwen gasped at the feeling of it. He wanted to take. He was one of the tallest in their party. Even at his age, he was an intimidating sight on a battlefield. He used that size to his advantage now. "'I need to finger you first, Gwen said, and the soldier laughed. "'I'm fucking coarse like you. I'll heal. Just fucking do it.' It was harder and easier than he thought it would be. Easy to spread the man's ass cheeks in his hands and position himself. Harder to push in because saliva was not nearly enough to ease the way. Easy to then just force his way in because the man was making noises. Feral, delicious noises that he was cutting off by biting into his own forearm. And hard because memories were threatening him and he didn't want them. And he could only push them away by thrusting in hard, overwhelming himself with sensation. The man shouted then, in actual pain. And Gwen thought about hesitating, he did. Only he had said he wanted it, that he'd heal. And if that was true, then Gwen could be as rough as he liked. He slammed the man up against the tree, desperate to prove himself, to forget, to feel. It was friction and a hoarse sound of shock on the back of his own throat when he realized that it was good. 
It wasn't just a distraction. It was good. The man's cries had become less sharp as Gwen thrust into him, and Gwen missed that pained edge, and so he pushed harder. He snapped his hips forward, almost lifting the soldier off his feet until he could hear it again. His core of triumph demanded it of him. And it must have demanded something from the soldier, because the soldier clenched around him, whimpered as he spilled against his own hand where he jacked himself off. And Gwen came only seconds later, holding his light back and still feeling like a fever had broken. He stepped away, suddenly uncertain, and the man turned around and leaned tiredly against the tree. <sighs> you fuck let you fight. And how was that? Gwen said, wanting to bathe, but tucking himself into his pants like the soldier did and pulling them up again. They could bathe later, he supposed. It wasn't like the camp wouldn't reek of sex that night anyway. Like you wanted to kill me. Gwen flushed red and swallowed. You said you'd heal, Gwen said, faintly accusing. I will heal. Don't worry your precious pretty head. Most of us like it a little rough. And as the years passed, it turned out that most soldiers did like it a little rough. Though they were careful of Gwen, because he had a reputation for being particularly merciless. It was the combination of his core energy, his size, his vigor, they said. But it meant that he couldn't simply drag any soldier off a battlefield to sate himself. He had to look for the ones who had done it with him before, who knew him and what he was like, who accepted or even liked it. Sometimes new soldiers came along, offered themselves. Most of them didn't come back again, but Gwen didn't feel pity for them. They'd been warned, if not by Gwen, then by their comrades. He became aware that some came to him as a badge of honor, a sign that they'd withstood the force that was Gwen immediately after battle. He only ever took men. He realized belatedly that, unlike the majority of Fay, he only preferred one gender. The soldiers who came back over and over again were almost like lovers, except that they shared no affection, and they all ended up dying or moving on eventually. They owed each other nothing. Quinn liked soldiers. He enjoyed their company. Most of them were a simple, forgiving sort when he were on their side, and even when they disapproved of him, even when a higher-ranking fay cuffed him, no one beat him like his father did. No one looked at him like his mother. They enjoyed Gwen's company and treated him well, even if Gwen felt like they didn't really know him or understand him. Because if they knew he was unseely, a member of an alignment that was so often the enemy, everything would be different. Thankfully, they didn't realize. Soldiers, some of them at least, could be quite dumb. Gwen felt like he fit right in. Returning home was easier than it used to be. His parents still loathed him, Ethnician still baited him, but Gwen's new core energy, shifting as it did from loyalty to triumph, gave him an edge. They didn't respect him, but they were more reluctant to make sport of him as quickly as they used to. They found it harder, and now when they insulted him, the insults had to be framed carefully, or Gwen would respond in kind. He had grown claws out on the battlefield, and he had grown arrogance. After all, when he was two hundred and four, not yet an adult, he had almost two centuries of battle behind him, and he'd lost none of his personal campaigns. He won everything he managed himself. He now led his own team of soldiers, men and women who had decided to work for him since they appreciated his good luck and his vicious skill with a sword. He'd never been formally given an increase in rank. It had been awarded to him through the trust of those who followed him. And having those comrades in arms, knowing that they waited for him, it made it easier to come back and see his family. He had learned how to be quietly cutting, had learned from higher-ranking men and women that sometimes you infuriated your enemy not by shows of power, which no fay enjoyed on the battlefield, but by a well-placed line. 
Once he'd come back, and his father had walked out of the double front doors of the estate, only to look at Gwen like Carrion had turned up on his doorstep. "'What are you doing here?' he'd said. Gwen's lips had lifted into a forced smile. "'I miss the dogs.' And he'd spent the entire day in the kennels, playing with the hounds. He'd actually intended to see his family, to be dutiful, to do the right thing by them. But sliding his father, and seeing the expression of shock and outrage on his stern features when Gwen chose hounds over family— was too good an opportunity to pass up. It wasn't that he wanted to disappoint his father. He still craved and ached for his approval. It was only that he knew he would never get it now, and he knew that he would never be anything other than a disappointment. The gravest slight he'd made to his family was simply that he'd survived them, and it turned out that he had a knack for surviving battle, too. Ever since then, his very existence was an insult to them. His appearing at the estate was offensive. Everyone in the family knew that. Everyone outside of the family thought they were proud of him. It made him laugh. He played along. Creel had impressed upon him the many cruel things she could do if he didn't uphold the family reputation and appearance. But it amused him all the same when his comrades talked about how lucky he was to have a supportive, high-status family with so much privilege in the city court. When he was 432, he came back to the estate once more and now had proven himself to the point that the Oak King's war general had scouted him out and asked him to join the royal army. Gwen had said he would, if he could keep his comrades and manage his own campaigns. Gwen was given a larger accoutrement of soldiers, funding to train and expand his own camp, and formal access to higher-quality weapons materials and rare scrolls detailing ancient battle strategies. He could, at times, especially during battle, be cruel. He was an effective torturer in the moment, though he lacked the cold calculation of some of his men and women. He had learned that being tortured was simply a more extreme version of what Ephnissian used to do to him, those times he couldn't get away. It was painful, but it hardly bothered him. If they were going to kill him, they would kill him. Mostly they just wanted information. They never got it. His eyes on the battlefield were bright, but hard and unforgiving. Fewer soldiers came to him after battle, and those who did had to like pain. After all, he fucked like he killed fast and brutal. He had received a rare invitation to a luncheon with other members of the Seely Court and Inner Court, and he sat, dressed inappropriately in a casual shirt and pants, and leaned back in a chair that was too small for him. His mother favored delicate outdoor furniture, and he dwarfed it. Days of training and fighting, keeping up his skills, exploring when he wasn't campaigning, had given him a hewn musculature. He felt out of place, and he was supposed to. He didn't mind. His father had been talking with what looked like pride regarding his only son's conquests in battle, and it sounded complimentary, but he knew that it was all for show. He simply watched, impassive, as kind words and flattery were heaped upon him. Ethnician smirked at him with the shared knowledge that none of it was true. "'I would like to take you on one of my tools,' Leed finished, talking to Gwen directly. Leed was a practiced war-maker, a well-respected strategist. A few fay at the table made sounds of approval and pleasure at the invitation— and Gwen in turn smiled at his father. But his chest turned to ice. He felt cold. He knew now that he had been trained to die, and he knew without a doubt that his father only wanted him on a personal campaign so he could accidentally run him through with the sword and claim that he'd lost sight of himself in some berserker-like rage. After all, he'd slighted his family too many times, insulted his father to his face too often. "'Would you, father?' Gwen said. "'Truly?' "'Yes,' Leed said and he offered him a toothy smile that dripped with glamour. Gwen was almost charmed by it. The glamour crawled into him, 
made him feel bereft, adrift without his father's approval. But Gwen gathered himself together and decided to end this charade now. "'Didn't you lose your last campaign?' Leed's face went cold, and Griel glared venom at him. Ethnician, however, simply looked like the entertainment was about to begin. Leed had lost his last three campaigns. "'I am unbeaten,' Gwen continued. "'Myself, my comrades, we are unbeaten.' You trained me so well, father. Perhaps. Gwen refused to swallow nervously at what he was about to say. He refused to show a moment of fear. Perhaps you might like to join one of my tours. Laughter at the table, appreciative and aware of the joke, though they all assumed it was in good taste. Ethnician actually whooped. Oh, that's a wonderful idea. The father joining the son. Wouldn't you like that, uncle? I would, Leed said laying the on so thick that it twisted at Gwen's gut. But I cannot leave my comrades unattended. I see that you cannot either. Perhaps we shall join our forces in battle some day. Yes, Creel said, her voice smooth. Wouldn't that be something? Later, Gwen had gone up to his room to look for some old scrolls that had some strategies he was interested in reviewing. He'd sensed his father's presence in the doorway and turned. Lee looked enraged and Gwen's hand had stiffened in an attempt to not crush the fragile scrolls in his hand. The cold glare in his father's eye was one that still sent a race of fear down his spine. When Leed stepped forwards, fists clenched, Gwen planted his feet. You can't hit me any more, father. I hit back, now. Then hit back! Gwen's father had proven why his core energy was ruthlessness, and Gwen had attempted to match himself against him. But after the fourth blow, he forgot about his arrogance and his comrades, and remembered only that this was the room he used to be hit in all the time. His father had spat insult after insult, reminding him of his origins, of the fact that he should be grateful that he was even alive, of the betrayals he'd meted out against his family, against himself. At the end, his father had placed the heel of his boot onto Gwen's head, leaned down, and said, "'You would do well to remember that the last time you became so arrogant, so sure of yourself,' You broke a blood oath and murdered someone who would have grown up to be a good man. He deserved his life more than you ever deserved yours. Gwen laughed, chastened, bruised and cowed, bones fractured several times over. It took him over a week to heal, and longer still to face his comrades. The kitchens in Gwen's palace were a network of room filled with the smells of herbs, cured meats, freshly baked bread, desserts, along with charcoal, smoke, the rotting, fermented fruit that the Troes themselves ate. It was a myriad of scents that Gwen loved. The kitchens were filled with long, low trestle tables, designed for the Troes, and Gwen often sat up on one of the long benches, knees up past his hips, hunched over bread and stew, or whenever he could get his hands on, sating his appetite. He walked into one of the kitchens and paused. August was standing there, a large array of fresh greens and what looked like seeds and grains around him. He was in the process of adding capers to a bowl of greens, and two trolls were watching him. One was crouched on the bench itself, fascinated, and the other stood next to him, curious. There, August said quietly, it's not standard water horse fare, which is why I'm not surprised you didn't know of it. Follow the recipe I've just showed you, and bring it to me once every two days. No more than five or six capers, the taste is over well. August turned around, saw Gwen, and looked, of all things, abashed to be showing the trios how to make food. But the slight widening of his eyes, the slackness of his mouth, was soon replaced by a tightening of his features, a smugness. And with that, Gwen's curiosity disappeared. He glowered. The trolls were still fascinated with August Greens. 
The one on the bench had dug its spindly hands directly into the bowl, and the other scratched out the recipe with a bedraggled quill. August turned his back to the bench and leaned against it. He scrutinized Gwen for a moment longer, and then started to laugh. Gwen's teeth smashed together in his mouth, and thick, burning light overtook him. He lunged at August so quickly that August didn't have time to react, though the laughter died in his throat when Gwen picked him up by the neck and then turned and threw him brutally against a wall of copper pans. The pans clattered and fell to the floor. August hissed in pain, eyes squeezing shut. The troves fled. "'You make your blood oath like you are offering me something generous, but then you insist on laughing, on this ploy that will demoralize me. You are insufferable!' Gwen's fingers tightened into August's throat, and he drew him, choking now, eyes wide with alarm, away from the wall and slammed him back into it. He didn't use his full strength. He didn't need to. He threw August down to the ground and stared at him, breathing hard. "'Do not play with me!' Gwen snarled. He could hear his breathing. He thought, for the first time in months, he might be able to hunt. The kitchen was deserted of troughs. The bowl of greens had been upturned. A quill and scroll of parchment, pots and pans, lay around them on the floor. Gwen turned away and marched out of the room. He had almost reached the door when Waterweed quilled thick around his calves. Gwen shouted in frustration as he lost his footing, grabbed onto the bench to stop himself from hitting the ground. All that happened was he pulled the long bench over onto himself. He hit the ground hard. He started tearing at the waterweed, but August was already upon him, a darkness on his own features. He thumbed nails into pressure points at Gwen's wrists, and Gwen kicked up, pushing him to the side. "'Get off!' Gwen said, and August laughed coldly. August opened his mouth to retaliate, but Gwen was stronger. Gwen had always been stronger than August, and he felt trapped. He smashed his weakened fist into August's wrist, and then grabbed at his hair, knowing his scalp was sensitive. August cried out when two strands of waterweed came free, and then the breath was knocked out of him. Gwen had pinned him to the ground, straddled him. "'I will demote you,' Gwen said. A bright, amused light continued to dance in August's eyes, despite the pain he was in. But as he took in Gwen's expression, it disappeared, and August's brow furrowed. "'You're serious,' August said, breathless. Gwen laughed. "'I'm supposed to kill you for this!' Gwen closed his eyes briefly, hands still in August's hair, blood having met his fingers where he'd pulled out the waterweed. He let go and stood up, wiping it off on his clothing. It was an uncouth habit, but for years it was the way things were done on his campaigns. Place more blood on your armor. Look more formidable. His breathing was shaky. His rage was fleeing him. He didn't want to do this. He was supposed to kill August. He was supposed to kill August for a lot of reasons, but especially for this. He'd killed someone once for this, hadn't he? He'd already done it once before. Hadn't he proven that he could? A small sound tore out of his throat, and he didn't look at August again as he turned to leave. "'According to who?' August said, when Gwen reached the door. Gwen turned again, ready to attack, to smash down that taunting voice, but August had one hand underneath himself, and the other was up, palm flat and open, in a calming gesture. "'You're supposed to kill me according to who? Is he here? Now? I'm almost certain he won't rise from the dead because I'm still alive.' Gwen wasn't having this conversation. He left. That night, August opened the door to his cartography room and leaned against the doorframe, blocking him in. There was only one exit, and August was right there. Gwen stared at his map. It was so close to being finished, but he was stuck on the kind of lettering he wanted to use for the waterways. His mind had not been cooperating with him of late. Sometimes he forgot how to think. Other times his head was so full that he could hardly move. King, August said, 
infusing a level of condescension in the term that he hadn't even heard when August mocked him back when he was free and mad. Gwen pushed his chair back and stood up. How was August not getting the message? He turned to see a smirk on August's face, but an odd softness in his eyes. False king, August said, smirk widening. Gwen's breath stuttered in his lungs. Fraud. I have been a successful king for my people, Gwen cried out. For had he not, many times, had dreams that they would find out, that they would level these accusations at him? The worst part was that they would all be true. August breathed out laughter, and then shook his head slowly. Which people? Which people are your people, Gwen? Don't you hate it here? Gwen shouldered his way past August into the corridor, and August followed him. Having August behind him, at his back, put a prickling sensation in his spine. Gwen's jaw was starting to ache from how much he was tensing it. Shouldn't you be saying, right about now, I, Gwenapneed, king of the seely fay. Oh, now don't slam me up against a wall again. You've said the words before. August had stopped immediately when Gwen turned on him. August was the one who looked around the corridor first, checking for any trows. The fact that he was doing it meant that August wanted to talk about it again. Wouldn't risk breaking his blood oath. Of course not. Gwen thought, the only person who's done that in this corridor is you. August spread his wrists. The one that Gwen had punched was heavily bruised. Waterweed shot out of his palms, as thick as saplings, and Gwen dodged the first rope of it, only to be brought down by the second. He dealt with Waterweed as an attack in the battlefield, and he hated it there, too, but at least there he could simply cut it aside with his sword. August leapt on to him, thinner strands of Waterweed coming out of his wrists and keeping him pinned to the ground. Gwen struggled briefly and then realized that he'd either really need to put his back into it, or leave it alone. He left it alone, stared up at August, unimpressed. "'These people are not your people,' August said. "'Do you know what was supposed to happen? You must know. You were supposed to be given, a gift, to the unseely court when you were a baby. They would have allocated you a family. You were born court fay, you still would have been raised with privilege. And love!' The waterweed eased off where it coiled around Gwen's legs, but Gwen couldn't move. "'I know,' Gwen said. "'They broke the old laws in doing that. It is compulsory. You know that.' "'I know,' Gwen said, voice cracking. "'What do you know?' August's voice was gentle, now. "'Tell me.' Gwen looked to the side. He could see the floorboards, the skirting board. It was dusty in the corners. The trolls were fantastic at finding things, but cleaning was not their forte. He'd never cared. <sighs> it would have ruined Creel's scented to reveal that she had given birth to me. <sighs> All that time, as a family, generations of being proud of throwing true. And then... And then me. And what are you, Gwen? August said. He looked around again, quickly. He looked back, and Gwen could feel the weight of his gaze on his cheek. You still haven't said it. Gwen pressed his lips closed and felt the waterweed coil and uncoil around his arms. He didn't even know if August was aware that he was doing it. Gwen could hear his heart beating. August shifted, one thigh by his left hip and the other pressed onto his right, keeping him down. August had both of his hands up at Gwen's shoulders. August exhaled sharply. "'Have you ever said it?' he said. Gwen's eyes were burning. He didn't want to be having this conversation. 
He shifted, testing August's grip, and August's fingers tightened around his shoulders. Answer me, August commanded. <sighs> once, Gwen said, and then squeezed his eyes shut. He'd only ever said it once. He'd never said it when his father had told him, not even to repeat the word back to him. He'd never said it on his own. He'd never said it until that one day in the stables, lying against the older, softer straw, while a young fay reader begged and begged him to share his secret, to share what hurt him so much. He'd said it once. It had broken the oath. Once, August said, a faint echo. His voice was weak. Oh. Gwen's forehead creased, his head hurt. He hated it when August realized things. Hated how quickly he put things together. Hated how often he was right. Especially now. For so long, August had no idea about Gwen. For so long, it was just convenient to let August labor under his misconceptions. Wouldn't you have needed to say it for the blood oath? August said, and Gwen shook his head. No one can find out, he added. Really? August said. Is that so? I can't imagine why. Firstly, I know what your family would do to you, if it was revealed. I have a fair idea of what your mother is trying to do to you now. Secondly, I know what the Fae would do to you. People would line up to destroy you. The Seely Fae can't stand lying. Some of them murder for it. And the Unseely Fae might feel slighted that you've been killing them for thousands of years. Ah, but oh, this is perfect. Oh, <laughs> August began to laugh. Oh, can you imagine? You're almost as much of a pariah as I am, and you don't even... Ah, no, stop. Gwen had started struggling. Waterweed tightened against him once more, and Gwen settled. Less because of the waterweed, more because August had stopped talking. Oh, sweetness, this is going to take you some time, isn't it? Gwen's eyes had flown open. What had August just called him? He turned, opened his mouth, sure that he'd heard wrong, and then made a sound of shock when August leaned forward and slid his tongue between Gwen's lips, humming in appreciation. A hand came up, and Gwen shifted away from it, instinctively, but it was just fingers threading into his hair, coaxing his head into a different angle. Gwen followed after a few seconds, and August looked at his tongue, rubbed the ridges of his teeth. The floor was hard beneath him. The waterweed was wet, cold coils around his limbs. Everything about the inside of August's mouth was hot. Thoughts were deserting him. August was coaxing at his tongue, sliding his alongside it, running the tip of his tongue down until it could press into the space beneath and lift. That sent a hot, bolt of sensation down his spine, and Gwen shifted fretfully, tried to bring an arm up to rest it somewhere on August, but the water reed remained around him, heavy, keeping him loosely pinned. August drew back and licked at the corner of his mouth, before drawing his top lip between his teeth and biting down, licking at the pain he'd caused when he released his grip. Gwen opened his eyes, and August was watching him, an unfathomable expression there. "'See?' August whispered. "'I know.' I still want you. Gwen's face twisted in denial, and August looked at his mouth again. I want you more, actually. <sighs> August, I'm... You can't kill me. You need someone who knows and still wants you, like your family didn't. Gwen's blood ran cold. He felt like he'd been struck. Beneath the shock of August's audacity, regardless of how true the statement, came a seething, flickering light. He felt it now, underneath his skin, right there, too close to the surface. Had it been like that all day? They would have killed you in the crib if they could have gotten away with it. 
And maybe they could have. Maybe they just wanted an in-family scapegoat, a target. And deep down you know they would have killed you. Has anyone, aside from possibly yourself, ever wanted you as obliterated as your family have? The light within him became a rage that was cold, feral, hungry. He growled. Gwen tore through the waterweed, pushed August over. August struggled, but in the tight space, with Gwen imprisoning his wrists, he was easily overturned. Gwen had status over him, strength, desperation. He didn't want August to talk any more. He didn't want to hear any of it. He manhandled August onto his stomach and shoved his fingers into the hem of his pants, jerked them down, bared his ass. August made a sound of shock. Gwen sucked wetly on two fingers, had contemplated sticking them into August's mouth, but knew he'd likely get bitten. And August made a sound of indignation when he realized what was happening, struggled harder, and Gwen kept him pinned to the floorboards, hoped none of the trows would cross their paths. It wasn't likely. They stayed away if the new people were around, unless they wanted something. He hoped they didn't want something. He shifted his grip on August so that he could spread his ass cheeks with one hand, and with the other he pushed his two saliva-wet fingers into August roughly, tearing a sound of pain and outrage from him. "'Ah, you graceless oaf!' August growled. "'Do you think I won't retaliate for this?' You had. Gwen pushed deeper into tight, wet heat. It was all friction around his fingers, and his cock twitched in his pants. August made a thin, tight sound, and then hissed it out. <sighs> Everything you do to me, you want done to yourself. You're so facile. August grunted when Gwen pushed deeper, ignoring him, wishing that he had a gag in his pocket, something to stop him from talking. If you had just asked me nicely, I could have fucked you almost dry a long, long time ago. "'You stupid idiot barbarian!' "'You never shut up!' Gwen said, and August laughed. He laughed even as Gwen could feel the rim of him clenching hard around his fingers. "'You're unseely,' August said, amused, even though his voice was strained. Gwen growled again. If he could carve that word out of August's tongue so that he could never say it again, he would. "'You're unseely, Gwen. Tell me, what do you feed on?' Gwen blinked. "'Food?' Vegetables, meat, grains, whatever is. <laughs> no, really, what do you feed on? August said, laughing. The food you eat in these kitchens is a temporary stay. Oh, by the gods, you don't even know that about yourself, do you? You moron. And your true form, has anyone ever seen it? Have you? Gwen's fingers had frozen. His breath had caught up in his throat. I know what you feed on, August crooned into the floorboards, and then turned his face to the side shifting so that he could slide his eyes and meet Gwen's stunned gaze. I know. I know why you're so hungry all the time. I know because I've lived it. I know what it is to not be able to sate your true appetite, and so eat and eat everything else. I know because many unseely fay know what it's like. It's something we have to live with, just like those blasted seely have to live with that stupid sense of ingrained honor. August flashed a grin. Do you know what you feed on? Here, I'll tell you. I'm feeling generous. How many fays that you've killed now? And since what age? What age were you, Gwen? What age were you when you made your first kill in the forest? And how young when you killed your first fay? Gwen withdrew his fingers and fell clumsily backwards onto his hands, knees bent in front of him. He stared at August, mouth open. August pulled his pants back up and faced him, a knowing threat in the creases of his eyes. How many thousands of fay have you killed? Tens of thousands. How many forest animals? It makes you feel so alive, doesn't it? You don't need to be the one out there, killing Fay, in order to be a successful king. You don't need it to be a general. But doesn't it feed you to be out there? 
Everyone knows. <laughs> and August started laughing again. How has no one realized what you are? Everyone knows that you take more deaths than any other soldiers in your squads. What a brave, brave soldier you are. So hungry. Gwen could hear his breathing. August could too. His eyes narrowed. He crawled over, placed his hands on Gwen's knees. And when you can't kill them, you kill animals. And when you can't kill them, you eat at the kitchens like a starveling, wondering why it's not enough. If you'd been raised with us, we could have told you. We look after our own. We know what it's like. Hands were sliding between his knees, down his thighs. A slow, steady confidence. Gwen could only stare. It was so obvious. He'd even been pushed to retire from campaigns when he'd been elected king, and he'd refused. He'd never thought about why. He just... refused. How many fae have you killed, Gwen? August said again, and then something dark passed over his face. He grabbed Gwen's shoulder cruelly and forced him sideways and then over onto his stomach, taking advantage of Gwen's shock, his numbness. He straddled his thighs and then dug his claws into Gwen's back, over the top of his neck, pressing through skin and dragging lines down through him, through his shirt. Gwen cried out, blood bloomed into the fabric. The heat of it made him realize how cold he was. His temperature had dropped, and yet he could still feel it, the light zinging inside of him, firing up along the edges of his nerves. How many? It's tens of thousands, isn't it? My, what a death count. So tell me, do you know what you feed off? Do you know what your true appetite is? Think about it. The first time, the only time you blew out your power. What did you do, Gwen? Fingernails clawed into the hem of his pants, and then jerked them down, bearing him, a mirroring of what he'd done to August a few minutes ago. Tell me what your power brought to all those living things near that first estate. Did you even know that that was you trying to feed? You would have been too scared to know. Likely too scared to feed. All that death. Wasted. Gwen made a sound in the back of his throat, and August pushed himself between Gwen's thighs, pressed one hand onto his spine, slapping down on bloodied fabric. Two fingers pushed at his lips, and Gwen opened his mouth, flushing hot. Suck, August demanded. Gwen leaned forwards, used his tongue to draw August's fingers into his mouth. He had to work to find saliva, but he managed and looked up into the crease of his fingers, sucked absently. His mind was coasting over thousands of battles, over all the deaths he'd taken. He was shaking. Your mouth is dry, August observed. That's not going to be enough, even for this. The fingers of his other hand pressed into his hips. Lift. Gwen lifted his hips and then brought his forearms up, clumsily, under his chest when August wrapped fingers around him. August squeezed thoughtfully and then began moving his hand over Gwen's length, coaxing him to full hardness and then further still. Gwen pressed his forehead into the back of his hand, his legs spread wider, his face burned hot. The backs of your ears are red, August said, and then leaned over him, scraped teeth over the side of his neck. I feed on human flesh as long as I've killed it. The Nain Rouge feeds on everything, but her preferred food is the raw power and souls of other fae, particularly powerful fae. Jenny Greenteeth fed off the ones she drowned. The Dullahan feeds off the ones that see him. Bakara feeds on the flesh of liars. And you, strange light fae that you are, feed upon death. Gwen groaned as August twisted the side of his palm cleverly over the head of Gwen's cock. He was shaking his head and then as the truth of it started to sink in, he struggled, because he didn't want to know this. And if he did know it, if it became a truth inside of him, he wanted to deal with it on his own. August's hand sped up, tightened, and the heat of it in the bowl of his pelvis paralyzed him. 
He cried out against his skin, bit into himself. August's hand was still speeding up, merciless now, the grip around him so tight it was painful. Gwyn keened into his own flesh as he edged closer, as darkness opened up and he began to tumble into it. Wait, Gwyn managed, and then his throat closed around a strangled noise as he came, August's hand cupping around him and catching his release, milking it from him. Gwen's muscles were still clenching, he was still shuddering through his orgasm, when August smeared his own cum against his opening. He yelped when August pushed two fingers into him, forced them deep straight away. It hurt. His shoulders heaved, he shifted his legs around the burn of it, and August only scissored the cum in deeper, making tisking sounds under his breath. He sounded vaguely dissatisfied. Gwen's eyes were leaking, he felt embarrassed, and he wasn't sure why. After everything he'd done with August, but... This was the first time it had been like this out in the open. The troves could come across him. They weren't likely to, but they could. August withdrew his fingers roughly, and Gwen's muscles bunched to get his limbs up underneath him and stop this. But even as Gwen raised himself up on his forearms, he felt the head of August's cock line up against him and cried out a sound of denial. August growled at him, a deep, dominating sound that froze Gwen to the spot. August wrapped his arm around Gwen's torso and tugged him backwards, thrust in hard. Pain raced up the back of his spine, his forearms collapsed underneath him, and August pushed in deeper, bucking when Gwen's flesh resisted him. Gwen pressed his mouth against his upper arm and cried out long, the noise shaken up by his own breathing, by August fucking his way into Gwen on sharp, sharp thrusts that were not smooth, not easy, tore at him. When August was fully seated, he nodded his fingers into Gwen's hair and pulled his head away from his arm. Gwen's uneven, jagged breathing was loud around them. "'This is entirely inadequate,' August said, disgusted. But that's what you want, isn't it? How many times have you used spit and cum on the battlefield? Is that what your life is, Gwen? A battleground? How endlessly dull. He lifted his hips up, sawed his way backwards, and then thrust back in again. Gwen tried to pull away from August's grip even as a cry was forced out of him. August laughed darkly. <laughs> Why don't you shut up and take it like one of your soldiers, he said. Gwen whimpered. August withdrew and slammed back again, and then started vicious, sharp thrusts that seemed designed to hurt him as much as possible. He hadn't known August could fuck like this. There was no finesse in it, nothing but roughness. If he thought August would go easy on him, he was wrong. Yet even as the pain refused to resolve into pleasure, lines of arousal were building inside of him, winnowing through his veins. His cock twitched where it was pressed hard against the ground. He was uncomfortable, felt awful, but for all that he didn't understand why, he liked it. But it was too soon after coming, and August was being brutal. Gwen felt flares of arousal burn through him, but he wasn't getting hard, he wouldn't come from it, and August wasn't letting go of his hair, keeping his head back, his throat taut. Pain sounds started falling from his throat, and August made a corresponding grunt of distaste. Mm, this is hurting you, August said, and Gwen's eyes squeezed so tightly that more tears spilled. Oh, heal, Gwen rasped. <laughs> don't, don't stop. August managed something that could have been a sigh, if it wasn't for the fact that he was still thrusting rhythmically into Gwen. His hands tightened in Gwen's hair, his hips shifted, canted in a different angle, and then he pressed even deeper, and Gwen cried out sharply. "'Still? You still don't want me to stop,' August said, starting a rhythm that stayed deep and rocked him. It was dully familiar. The few times he'd gotten so drunk he'd sought out company after battle, the very few times he'd let himself be taken as raw as he took others.' He'd been used like this before. Ah, oh, August breathed, voice suddenly ragged. <laughs> Don't answer. I'm starting to see why you like it so much. Gwen grit his teeth against the sounds that wanted to spill. His whole body was tensing against the unrelenting pain of it. 
having already come, the pleasure was further away. He had no choice but to wait for August, and hoped he wouldn't take much longer. August didn't. With a heady groan, August pressed deep, held himself still, and Gwen felt it, felt the heat of him spilling inside, knew he was at least scratched when it burned him further. He would heal, and quickly, but it hurt like fire now. He moaned, and August suddenly let go of his hair, and reached around to the front of his face, curving a palm around his wet cheeks. It was startlingly gentle, a horrifying contrast. Gwen tried to jerk his head away, but August followed and pressed his palm against him again. "'It's all right,' August said softly, voice trembling with his own release. "'It's all right.' "'Get off me,' Gwen said, his own voice breaking. But August stayed pressed inside of him, rested his chest on Gwen's back, and pushed down with his weight. "'No,' August said. "'Wait.' Gwen slumped back down to the ground, and August reached up with his other hand and pushed it back into Gwen's hair. He rubbed the skin he'd pulled gently, easing the ache in his head. The other thumbed tears away from his face, reached up to the corner of his eye, and realized that tears were still spilling. August sighed. "'This place is bad for you,' August said. That August was being so gentle with him now was startling, but what surprised Gwen more than anything was how much he craved it. After initially turning away, he pressed his face blindly into August's palm, making a small, needy sound, and then another. August hushed him, kept massaging at the side of his head, smoothing away the frown lines on his forehead. "'Can you teleport us like this?' August said, and Gwen nodded. He felt uneasy, fractious, but August touching him was settling something inside of him. He didn't want it to stop. He knew what August wanted, though, and he teleported them both, August still inside of him, to the top of his bed. The light shimmered away, and August resumed stroking him again, resting his head on Gwen's shoulder. You brought a once-mad, once-king up into your palace. Did you need another monster for company? Were you so lonely? So desperate for some kin? Gwen's breathing hitched. He just liked him. Don't worry, Gwen. I'll keep your secret for you. August, you are one of my secrets, Gwen thought. Gwen's head sank onto the blankets. His chest ached. His body was sore. There was a low buzz of discomfort in the base of his spine. He'd always liked August. He'd made a cardinal error, infatuation growing during that weekend in his home. And when he'd been invited to helm the wild hunt with him, he'd hoped for friendship. He'd hoped for more than friendship, knowing how futile it was. Now he didn't know what he had with August, but he didn't dare hope it was real. And that was a sharp pain in him worse than all the others, and his lips thinned on the sound that he made. August stilled above him. Gwen, sweetness, August said, and Gwen's heart skipped over itself at hearing that word again. He hadn't misheard the first time. He hadn't. Let yourself be easy for a while. Just a little while. A few minutes. The words unlatched something inside of him, and he relaxed further, releasing tension he didn't know he still held inside of him. August murmured a sound of approval, and dragged both of his hands through Gwen's hair, over and over again. It was hypnotic, mesmerizing, and Gwen realized he could. Just for a little while. Just for a few minutes. With August there, he could let everything go.